Hey there, future fans. This week, our electricity is back in black. We like our films with some black exploitation, and bruises aren't the only thing that's black and blue. This is the week of October 25th, 2019, and this is episode 154 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone well welcome to the show it is the week before halloween have y'all been watching some scary movies have you been getting in the mood have you been getting in the holiday spirit well if not then boo humbug to you do you see what i did there that was like bah humbug but with a boo you're welcome for that you can keep that as yours it's my gift to you. Well, we have an interesting week for movies. We, we do have quite a few films, more films in the wide release section than limited section, but I still had a really hard time with my pick because I just, I just wasn't sure. And I think I'm okay with this. I think I'm okay with my final three. And as I record this episode, we will see if that changes. But for now, let me catch you all up if you are new. So if you are new, you are listening to a show called Future Flakes with Billiam. On this show, we do quite a few things. We usually start with an opening, which is usually longer than that, but I just, I wasn't inspired to go on some sort of rant or tangent, so I thought, nah, we'll just get right into it this week. And then the show starts out with the news. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. Then we go into the trailer trove, and just like the news, any new trailers that have caught my eye. If at any point I miss something you think I should talk about, just let me know. Then from the tra- trailers, we go into the movies, which are broken up into two categories, the limited releases and the wide releases and in interesting indies. In the limited release section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, and that's where it stops. The wide releases and in interesting indies goes a little further. We do all those things. But we also talk about the movie a bit. And I, when I say we, I mean I, because you're not here to talk back at me. So I will give you my thoughts on the movie. I'll, I'll just tell you what I think. And then we will wrap it all up with a Billiam's Interest Level score, a.k.a. the Bill score, Jazz Hands. I had to say Jazz Hands because you can't see it. But that score can go anywhere from a zero for those terrible, terrible films to an 11 for those films that blow my mind. And please keep in mind, like I periodically like to remind y'all, I don't get any insider information. I am not some sort of bigwig uh, podcast host or blogger. No, I base all of my decisions off the trailers, just the trailers. And you know what? If I do make it big one day, which, you know, I hope I will, but I'm not holding my breath. If I do make it big one day, I think I would still base it off the trailers because that is how movies sell themselves to us. I do, in the wide release section, have a pick of the week. That is a movie that I think, if you could only see one movie during the week, I think it is the best one to see. But hey, this is my show, so it's my opinion. If you choose to see another movie or no movies, are you wrong? Not necessarily. And then we wrap the show up with a question of the week, and then I send you on your way to listen to all the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. 
That is Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. And then, you know, the friends of the show as well. We, we like to spread the love here. Well, you know what? Why don't we start out with the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Well, ladies and gentlemen, another old man has thrown his hat into the We Hate Marvel ring. This one is Ken Loach, and as one, the majority of filmgoers said, Who? Okay, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola, I get, because they're legends, but Ken Loach? Like, who the f*** are you? I had to look your wrinkly bitch ass up, and the only film of yours that I actually recognize, I haven't seen, but I actually recognize as, yes, that's a film, is I, Daniel Blake. Oh, and you did a TV movie documentary called The Greatest Chocolate Adverts of All Time. Good job. You are really a uh, top-tier director there. Anyway, he compares Marvel movies to hamburgers, so y'all know that he has he has his facts straight. Uh, James Gunn spoke out again in the wake of all of these things, and he says, well, talking mainly to Fort Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese, you're geniuses, but you don't get Marvel. And not everyone will be able to appreciate these movies. And that's true. So Ford Coppola and Scorsese, they spoke up. I don't agree with them, but at least they have a right. Jennifer Aniston and Ken Loach? No, you, you two can go f*** yourselves. This next story comes to us from Flickering Myth. Dwayne Johnson confirms that Black Adam will begin shooting in July of 2020. And good f***ing God, it's about f***ing time. How long have we been hearing about this movie? How long? I think it's been like three years, maybe even more that we've been hearing about this film. And only now it's beginning to, it's, it has a date. Even now it has a date to just begin recording. Not even, not even a release date, even though it would be tentative, but still come on. And I get it. Dwayne Johnson is a big time actor. He's probably one of the biggest actors right now. And he does big, fancy-looking, enjoyable, blockbuster-type movies. The type of movies that a big rigmortis dick like Ken Loach would hate, but the rest of us would at least enjoy, or at least can see, like, okay, I can see why people would like this. So we now have some Black Adam news. This next story comes to us from the Daily Mail. Will Smith's Gemini Man is apparently a box office bust and faces losing $75 million after a lackluster opening in China. And you know what? Hollywood needs to put, needs to stop putting so many eggs in the Chinese movie basket. Because we've already seen how much pull the Chinese government can have over things like basketball. YouTube. I mean, they banned PewDiePie this week. Hell, cartoons as Winnie the Pooh's banned there because their president looks like Winnie the Pooh. So I think we just need to stop putting so much, so much hope on, on the money from China. So the, the Chinese people, great. Love Chinese people. Chinese government can go f*** itself. And welcome to the most political I've ever been on this show. You're welcome. My future friends, this next story comes to us from Flickering Myth again. David Duchovny has been added to the remake of The Craft. Or sorry, not remake, reboot, apparently. Okay, here's the thing. This story from Flickering Myth says it's a reboot, but right here on IMDb says it's a remake. 
And like I explained to Critter one time after an episode of Somewhat Nerdy Radio, yes, there is a difference. And if you don't know, a remake is obvious. They're just remaking the film. A reboot is the original film still stands, and they're building on the universe. And Anne, my beautiful fountain of information, told me that she thinks it's a remake because the people so far that have been cast have the same, the character names are the same as the original. Because, you know, when I think of movies that needed remaking, The Craft was high on my list. No, it wasn't, because it still holds up. Go f*** yourself, people who thought of this. This next story comes to us from IndieWire, and more of a warning for a lot of you. If you were like me and used MoviePass ever, apparently you should take a look at your credit card statements because even though MoviePass has been dead for over a month at this point, they are still charging former customers because they are a skeezy and terribly managed nightmare of a company. So if you have ever used MoviePass, just be careful. Next up in the news, we have a story from Superhero Hype. Michael Giacchino accepts Matt Reeves' offer to score his movie, The Batman. Michael Giacchino, someone you may have heard me mention a couple times because he is fantastic. He's an amazing composer. And just looking at the movies he's done, you have probably heard a movie he has scored and been really impressed with the score. Or you've seen a lot of the movies he scored, like Spider-Man Far From Home, Jurassic World, The Incredibles, 1 and 2, Star Trek, the new Star Trek movies, Doctor Strange, Star Wars Rogue One, the Planet of the Apes series, um, some of the Mission Impossibles, uh, Lost, some of the series of Lost he did. Actually, I think he did all of Lost, Alias, and oddly enough, I never knew this, the Medal of Honor video game series all the way from Medal of Honor 1 in 1999. Jesus Christ. And he's been scoring the Mission Impossible movie since Mission Impossible 3. That's pretty cool. Well, that's news that mainly excited me, and I hope uh, at least one or two of you care. So yay, yay for that. Next up, we have a story from W Magazine. Naomi Harris is in talks to play a villain in Venom 2. Naomi Harris, you'd know from many things, including playing Moneypenny in the newer Bond movies. She would play the villain Shriek. Shriek, who is Carnage's love uh, love interest. So there's that. And more comic book movie news. This from Flickering Myth. We now know that Deadpool will remain a rated R property in the MCU. Thank f***ing God. Because you know what? The PG-13 version of Deadpool, it wasn't bad. But Deadpool is rated R. If you look up rated R in the dictionary, which I don't think it's in the dictionary, but let's just pretend it is, there's just a picture of Wade Wilson. That's all you need to know. He is the personification of rated R. This next story comes to us from comicbook.com. Five days ago, Jason Reitman posted a picture that celebrated the wrapping of filming of Ghostbusters set to release next year. So yay, and I cannot wait. In another story from comicbook.com, according to J.J. Abrams, Star Star Trek, (laughs) Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker will attempt to give an ending to all nine films. Well, it's, it's one saga, right? It's one continuous story with just big jumps in time, right? So no f***ing shit. This news story comes to us from Variety. If you are familiar with the TV show Underground, or uh, let's see, Shots Fired, then you will know the name of actress DeWanda Wise, who has been added to the cast of Jurassic World 3. 
For Jurassic World 3, she joins the likes of Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and B.D. Wong, as well as Mamodu Afi, who you would know if you've seen movies like The Circle, uh, the TV show on Netflix, The Get Down, or that movie from earlier this year, was it? Let's see. No, at least last year, called The Unicorn Store. If you remember, that was the Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson movie on Netflix. He has also joined the cast. This next story comes to us from Variety. A court has refused to block Netflix's release of The Laundromat, which you should have known because it's already out. But apparently, the lawyers that Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas' characters are based off of was suing Netflix to block the release of the movie because it painted them in a bad light. That's so weird that these two criminals think the movie painted them in a bad light, almost like they're criminals. Weird. Well, two last movies in the news, folks. This one from Rolling Stone. Vin Diesel reveals that Cardi B has joined the cast of Fast 9. Spoiler alert, she plays someone from the ghetto. I don't actually know that. That's just my assumption. And finally in the news, this last story from Variety, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to be re-released with new footage. And I'm so torn on this because we're seeing this more and more in movies. Movies coming out, getting more footage added to them and being re-released. And here's my, here's my qualm. Here's my query. Here's my question. Here's what I think. It's that Disney did it a few times and for them... I know exactly why. With Avengers Endgame, I know they wanted to have that record for biggest grossing movie of all time. I know they did. You know they did. And for their other movies when they did it, you know they just wanted more money. For this, I don't know if it's it's just for more money or with, with Tarantino. I wonder if there was some footage he wanted in the movie. He didn't get the okay for it. The movie exploded. He's like, hey guys, look. We can re-release this movie. I can add these scenes that I wanted to put in it, and we both win. So what's your take on that? Do you think that Tarantino's just money-grubbing too, or do you think that maybe he's getting what he wants and he sees this way as a way of doing it? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Well, we have a first trailer for a movie called Adopt a Highway coming out later this year starring Ethan Hawke. And I'm just so torn because I, I watch a trailer, uh, well, obviously, because it's in The Trailer Trove, but I, I just don't know what to think. I think this could be really good. And also, terribly heartbreaking and the most devastating thing I have ever seen. Okay, that's a lie. It's probably not the most devastating thing I've ever seen. But it's, so it's about this guy. Ethan Hawke plays this man named Russell Millings, who went to jail for some sort of crime. I, I don't know what it is, but he gets let out. He's been doing really good. He's, he's homeless or struggling with homelessness. It looks like sometimes he has an apartment. Sometimes he sleeps on the street. So I think maybe once he gets out, 
he has trouble finding a place and gets a job and gets a small, really small room or something. And one day at work, he finds a baby left in a dumpster and he sees it kind of as a new start. He kind of bonds with the baby and then someone finds out. And you know what? Guess what? Apparently you can't just keep a baby you find. That's weird. And the reason this movie stood out to me is a couple things. I think it shows the struggle of ex-felons because in this country, we like to say that that jail is for rehabilitation. We like to say that, but it's not the case. Especially because once someone does their time, they pay their dues and they get let out. We just kind of say, F them. They want a job somewhere? No, we don't hire felons. And I know in California, I believe that's illegal. I, I think in California, is it? Oh, apparently not. Not just in California, it's a federal law. So apparently, employment discrimination against persons with a criminal record in the United States has been illegal since the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. However, it's a very tough thing to prove. So if you want to sue over this, apparently you have to be able to prove that it was indeed your criminal record and not something else, maybe your lack of work for all this time you were in jail, that kept you from being hired. So anyway, I think that's another thing this trailer is going to show it, that it's not easy for people. So this movie seems like a journey for, what was, it, what was his name again? Russell Millings. I think it's going to be his journey on how to readapt into society and if he can. And then him bonding with this baby that will probably get taken away from him unless he tries to run away with the baby, in which case he could be thrown in jail again. It's all just, it, the possibilities of it being devastating are just too much, but I really like Ethan Hawke. This comes out November 1st this year. Well, my future friends, next up, we have the trailer for Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. This, of course, is the sequel to the movie from 2018 called, well, Peter Rabbit. And it stars as the humans. We have Rose Bine and Donald Gleason. And for the voices, we have James Corden as Peter Rabbit, Margot Robbie as Flopsy, and Elizabeth Debicki as Mopsy. And uh, there are probably some others in it. But you know what? It looks cute. Uh, I now am kind of rethinking watching the first one just because it, I mean, it's a dumb family film. It looks cute. So you know what? Why not? This comes out April 3rd, 2020. All right. Next up, we have a trailer for a film called The Courier starring, uh, let's see, Olga Krylenko, who is in movies like Quantum of Solace and Oblivion. It has Gary Oldman, Dermot Mulroney. And a gentleman named Amit Sa, who is in movies like The Hundred Foot Journey and Johnny English Strikes Again. This is a basic action thriller movie. We have Gary Oldman playing this, I assume is a bad guy because the cops come for him. Then there's a witness against him that goes missing because this woman shows up who just says, I'm the courier. When asked who she is, like kind of like the transporter, I guess. And apparently she's badass and trying to keep this guy alive and everyone's trying to kill him. So it's a movie we've all seen before, but why not? If you like this kind of film, check this out. That comes out November 22nd. Next up, we have another trailer for that film called Extraordinary, which, God, was this one I couldn't find a release date for? Let's see. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I don't see an actual release date for it. It came out earlier this month at the San Diego International Film Festival. But this is the one you may remember me talking about, about this small town, a small Irish town. And this woman named Rose, who's a driving instructor, but can also see ghosts. And she tries to ignore it, tries to just be a normal driving instructor. But then one day, one day this guy asks for her help because something's wrong with his daughter. Turns out his daughter's floating six feet above the bed. What's going on? Well, it seems like a ex rock star has turned to 
black magic to try and get his career going, and it's all affecting this woman. So it's about this, or this young girl. So it's about this woman named Rose, part, driving instructor, now turned maybe ghost hunter, maybe supernatural defender, and maybe, I'm guessing, a battle with this rock star, play, former rock star played by Will Forte. I think it looks hilarious. I think this is going to be really good. And so if I ever find an actual release date, I will let you know. And my future friends, who loves a stupid, over-the-top action movie? I do. And that movie is called Bloodshot, starring Vin Diesel and Guy Pierce. And it looks it looks really ridiculous. And I cannot wait. So it's about this guy who was killed and then reanimated by this company who brings people back to life and then uses them to kill other people. And you can tell from the trailer that he's he's been told that he is a soldier, that he died in the line of duty, and they plant a fake memory in his mind about someone killing his wife. Maybe a wife he never had. Well, anyway, he goes, I have something I got to do. And then he goes out and he kills this person, and then they shut him off. And they come back, they re-scramble his brain, and they do the whole thing over again. Well, it turns out that Vin Diesel's character is not that easy to have his brain rewritten, because he, he starts to catch on that something's wrong. So it's about him, and can he fight these people who can just turn him off? Apparently, this is based off a comic book, probably something by Dark Horse or Boom. It, this looks entertaining, and it comes out next year, February 21st, 2020. All right, folks, next up, we have a movie just in time for the holidays. This is called Let It Snow, and it's based on a book by John Green, and it's a collection of three, the book is a collection of three short stories, and this movie combines them all into one movie with three, you know, love stories in it, but this is set in a small town on Christmas Eve and how a storm brings all these people together. And it's basically three stories that happened that night. This has a cast of Isabella Mornair from Instant Family and Dora the Explorer movie. It has Odea Rush, Jacob Batalone, Shamik Moore, Liv Hewson, who you would know if you saw Santa Clarita Diet, which unfortunately we won't see again, but she was in that. She was the daughter. Either way, this is a Netflix original movie, and like a lot of Christmas movies, it's not coming out around Christmas. It's coming out November 8th, but since it's on Netflix, it's guaranteed to be available Christmas season. So I don't think there's any reason you should not watch this if you are like any normal person and has a big movie marathon around Christmas. All right, folks, next up, we have another trailer for the movie Antlers. This comes out early next year. It's a horror movie, so why not midwinter? This takes place in a small town in Oregon, and you may remember me talking about this before, but it's about this this teacher and her brother, who's the local sheriff, and they become involved with this young student, a student of the teacher, obviously, and the kid seems a little off about the kid, and in, during the trailer, you find out that he's killing animals and bringing them home. Is he Jeffrey Dahmer? No, because he's feeding some sort of weird creature that lives in his home, and I, I assume that we can put together from this, from the trailer, that something happened to his parents, they were turned into monsters, and now he's bringing these dead animals to them. We can assume no one knows because the house has no power, he's still in it, thus, you know, no one paying the bills. So he just sits in this dark house all the time, like a sad sack. And eventually, one of his parents, maybe just his dad, I don't know if there are two of them or not, but one of the parents escapes. And it's about the consequences 
uh, due to that. This movie stars Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons as the brother and sister, the teacher and the, what do you call him, sheriff. Also has legendary actor Graham Greene. And introducing, I believe introducing, this is one of his first things. He's done some short movies and some TV. Jim, Jeremy T. Thomas as the kid. This is based on a short story called The Quiet Boy. It's directed by someone named Scott Cooper and produced by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, cool. Scott Cooper's actually been around for a while. He's directed movies like Hostels, Crazy Heart, Black Mass. So, you know, very happy and wonderfully cheery movies. So it looks like this guy knows what he's doing. And I think this looks promising. I really do. I think this looks like a, a, a horror movie with just enough of an indie touch to it to make it interesting, but not so much so that it becomes some un unwatchable, artsy bullshit mess. I think this has promise, and you will find out sometime in 2020. Right now, it's set for release January 1st, but we will see if that changes. Next up, folks, we have the second trailer for Lady and the Tramp. This is the Disney Plus original movie coming straight to streaming when this launches November 12th. And this second trailer did a lot of good because the first trailer just showed us scenes we know and it showed us this mix of real life and CG, which at times worked really well and at times looked really weird. Because this movie is a mix. There are times where it's all the real dogs. There's times where it's the real dogs with a little bit of CG on them, like to move the mouth and stuff. And there's times where it's all CG. And that looks a little weird because I'm not sure how much money Disney would have poured into this film seeing as, as it was going straight to streaming. But I think they poured enough into it that it looks good. But what this second trailer does is it still shows us more of the story we know. But I think that it really, it really hit me right in the feels. It really made me remember that Lady and the Tramp was one of my favorite Disney movies growing up. Hell, one of my favorite movies growing up. I watched that video so much. And I think the second trailer did a better job of capturing the magic that this movie could potentially hold. And I'm now more excited for this. It, it kind of, to me, felt like, you know, they're doing all these live-action Disney movies. It felt like Lady of the Tramp was just kind of a write-off going, oh yeah, we didn't want to spend too much money on this, so we're just going to do it for our streaming service. And and have it be one of the uh, the flagship movies. But now I get the feeling that it's more than that. Maybe they're not going to put as much money into it as they do the other Disney live-action films, but I do feel that something, some care, was put into this, and it, it kind of comes across better in the second trailer. So I now have more hope for this. But hey, I'm going to be one of the many people getting Disney Plus in November, and I hope you join me on November 12th. And finally, folks, we have another Disney movie, and guess what? We have to talk about the final trailer for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Now, I'm not going to do a huge breakdown on this, but I, I will mention things that this, this trailer makes me think, and then suspicions I have, and uh, maybe you can tell me yours too, and we can, we can have a conversation, you know? So the trailer opens up, and first we see a helmet being dropped. And I don't know if that's supposed to be just a normal pilot's helmet or if it's supposed to be one of those helmets like the type Luke wore when he was training to use the Force. Or the similar to the kind the younglings were wearing in the Star Wars prequels before Anakin killed them. Either way, she's just running through the Force. We've seen her do a huge leap, which she's probably using the Force to do, so we can assume that's a Force leap. And then the scene cuts to her in... A different setting landing doing a similar leap so we can assume that in the forest she's training and this next the scene that we see with her doing that jump in some sort of ruins or something that's later in the movie we then see john boyega finn just standing there with some 
binoculars, looking worried, like, oh no, what does he see? Then we see Ray running through the forest a little more. And then we see a short montage of scenes, and it sounds like Poe talking, because then we see a grouping of people standing outside, what I'm assuming is before a big battle or something. We then see Rose Tico again, played by Kelly Marie Tran, and I'm so glad she's coming back, because I liked her, and I don't think she deserved any of the hate she got after the last movie. I just think Star Wars fans, some of them can be some of the worst human beings in the world and some some of the most hateful people in the world. So we see her again. Then we see another scene. We see Poe and we see Finn and we see Chewie standing next to what seems to be Poe's X-Wing. And it looks similar to the force that Rey was in. So maybe she's going to them. Maybe they're with her while she's training. Or maybe that's where the base is because you see more soldiers running around in the back. And so maybe they're all there and Rey is doing some training there too. Or maybe it's a completely different place. We don't know. Then we see what looks like a Corellian Corvette pulling up out of the jungle. Looks badass. Then Rey starts to talk and we see that that scene that we saw in the first trailer that they're standing on some sort of ship, it looks like, that's in the ocean. The water is just treacherous and waves crashing everywhere. You can see Rey standing there with her lightsaber drawn and then you see Kylo Ren without his helmet, lightsaber drawn too, walking towards her. Then we see a shot of some TIE fighters flying towards what looks like a big iceberg in space and yeah i'm cool show me more cool sh in space that's what i like to see then we see an empty throne we hear palpatine talking we see this badass scene of a star destroyer or a super star destroyer i think it's just a regular star destroyer breaking through the ice which we can assume is on that iceberg planet and then this scene with all of these ships and i bet you this is near the end where they're preparing for war then you see the millennium falcon come into view ray is in the pilot seat chewbacca next to her Finn and Poe walk in, followed by C-3PO. The group is together. Then we shoot back to that fight between Kylo Ren and Rey. And yeah, I, I want that. I want more of this. I want more of this now. This trailer has got me more excited for any of the Star Wars movies, of the new Star Wars movies since the first one. And I liked them. I thought they were fun. I'm not some asshat hate like hater of a star wars fan going no it's not the original stuff i hate it i'm gonna cry into my blankie those stupid little bitches i am not one of them could the movies be better sure why not are they still fun yeah they are we see some explosion then we see some sort of weird watercraft sure why not and then we see a scene that got me all choked up you see c-3po connected to all these wires and poe is saying kind of worried what you doing there 3po and he says taking one last look at all of my friends and I'm with the rest of the world. That fills me with so much dread because I know a lot of people are thinking 3PO is going to sacrifice himself. And you know what? I don't know. I don't know if C-3PO is going to make it out of this, but I just know that one line was delivered with more emotion than I've seen out of so many movies, so many actors, countless people that, that it just hits you right in the feels. But I'm given some hope because R2 is doing his little happy jumping thing. But of course, as we know, that could be just some sound effect put over that and, and R2 is doing one of his sad beeps. Then we see a battle scene. We see Finn, Poe, and Chewbacca killing a bunch of stormtroopers. We see Princess Leia hugging Rey. And then we see the group on a speeder speeding away, or some sort of rigged speeder, and BB-8 launches some missile at these people that are chasing them. Then we see Lando and Chewie flying, and Lando giving one of his screams just like he did when he was flying the Falcon in Return of the Jedi. We see a Y-Wing flying what looks like 
towards what looks like a Star Destroyer. Then we see the group, at least I can only fully make out Finn. I don't know if the other one's Ray or not, but BB-8's alongside them. And they're riding some these weird, like, things that look like a cross between a horse and a uh, warthog. Raging into battle. And here's where it gets really interesting, because then we see more of Rey and Kylo Ren, but Kylo Ren's lightsaber isn't drawn. Hers is, but they're kind of just looking at each other. Doesn't look like they're ready to fight. Then we see a a scene with Finn running down what looks like the metal structure that Rey and Kylo Ren were fighting on earlier. And then the scene that makes me interested, really interested, because we have some sort of like statue or something and Rey and Kylo Ren in his mask, tearing the statue down, like hitting it at the same time. And I think they're working together in this because they break the thing down and then they don't face each other right away as if they're ready for the other to attack. They're just, it looks like that, that was their goal. After that, we see more of what looks like some huge final battle. We see Kylo Ren looking like determined walking off. Then we see Rey walking towards something. We hear Luke talk, and then we see a close-up of Rey with her lightsaber. Okay, I said I wouldn't break down the whole trailer, and I'm not really going to dive into everything, just this one thing. That scene where Kylo Ren and Rey are talking together, and I know this is very obvious. This, This is the obvious place to go. But I think, I really do think this is where it's going, that this movie will, The Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker will be Kylo Ren. This is going to be his redemption. Just like the first six movies were about Anakin, what I think, uh, how I think that J.J. Abrams is going to tie all this shit together is that Anakin's legacy of the dark side, even though it ended the way it did with his story, I think that it's followed them into this new set of movies. It in affected Kylo Ren, he fell to the dark side. So Kylo Ren's return to greatness, Kylo Ren's return to the light side of the force is going to be the final moment where we see the Skywalkers broken from this dark side curse. We know that the Emperor is involved in the movie. Does he fully come back? I don't know if that's been determined yet. I know the actor who plays the Emperor is in it. Is he just a force projection? Is it really him? Because you know in the expanded universe, which is now no longer a thing, we know that the Emperor had clones. I don't think they're going to do that because that'd be very sloppy because they never introduced the possibility of clones before, at least for the Emperor. I think if they're going to do that, they should have started dropping a little obvious hints with The Force Awakens. So this will be the final part of the story between the Skywalker bloodline and the Emperor because we're going to have Kylo Ren revert back to good and the Emperor won't be able to stop it. And even though that ending, even though that whole ending for the arc for the entire nine movies for everything is a little predictable, especially with the name Rise of Skywalker, I still think that's going to be a good and it's going to be a very pleasing ending. At least pleasing ending to a lot of people. Star Wars fans are going to hate it because they hate Star Wars. Regular people like you and me, who can enjoy even the newer movies, who can appreciate the prequels, Even if, yes, I can look at them and see why they weren't good, but they are also good because they're fun. We see the fun in things. That's what I want you to do when this movie comes out. The Rise of Skywalker comes out December 20th, 2019, and tickets are already on sale. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take another break as we hear word from our friends at the... Nerds of the, oh, that's who it is. Nerds of the Squared Circle Podcast. I forgot which order we do it in. Even though it's been the same order since the beginning of time. 
Oh well. And then we'll be right back with the limited releases. Stay tuned. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, folks, you know what? Let's just blast through the limited releases. Then I'll do a couple wide releases and then we'll have the break just because there are a lot more wide releases than limiteds. So let's start with this one called Western Stars. This is actually the only documentary this week that did not make it into the wide releases and interesting indie section. Western Stars is a live concert performance of Bruce Springsteen singing his songs from his new album, Western Stars. And you know what? I love Springsteen. I love the E Street Band, but I, I, I just don't care. Next up, we have an Indian movie called Houseful 4. In 1419, Sitamgar, three couples are parted away due to an evil conspiracy. 600 years later, in 2019, London, the couple's reincarnations meet again, but this time one of them is marrying the wrong person. I mean, this looks interesting and cute, but let's look at the facts. It's an Indian movie, so it's going to be harder for us to find here, and it's the fourth one in the series. So maybe not. Next up, we have a film called The Great Alaskan Race. In 1925's historic Great Race of Mercy, a group of brave mushers traveled 600, no, 700 miles, sorry, to save the small children of Nome, Alaska from a deadly epidemic. If you ever watched the animated movie Balto, you know this story already, but this time it's live action and it stars Treat Williams from Deep Rising, Brad Leland from Friday Night Lights, the movie, not the show, Henry Thomas from The Haunting of Hill House, and Bruce Davidson from X-Men. Next up, we have a film called Girl on the Third Floor. This is about Dan Koch, and he tries to renovate a rundown mansion with a sordid history for his growing family, only to learn that the house has other plans. Teaching us once again, don't move into creepy ass houses. This stars former wrestler and maybe future wrestler again, CM Punk, as well as Tristy Kelly Dunn from Banshee. Next up, folks, is a movie called Portals. When an ambitious ghost hunter performs a risky ritual, opening a portal to the other side, he and his team quickly find themselves way in over their heads in a fight for survival against an ancient demonic force. This stars Ray Merriam from The Pretender, Jamie Tisdale from From Dusk Till Dawn, the series, and Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street. And finally, in the limited release section, we have a movie called Paradise Hills. Uma is a teen girl who wakes up in an apparently idyllic school for young ladies to reform rebel girls. This stars Aquafina from Ocean's 8, Mila Jokovic from The Fifth Element, Isaac Gonzalez from Baby Driver, Daniel McDonald from Patty Cakes, and Jeremy Irving from War Horse. All right, folks, you know, that's it for the limited section. Like I said, we're going to just get a couple movies into the wide releases sections and then we'll take a break. So let's start with synonyms. A young Israeli man absconds to Paris to flee his nationality, aided by his trusty Franco-Israeli dictionary. 
This is a movie made be made by an Israeli writer director made in France. Because I don't know, maybe they wouldn't smile upon this movie in Israel. I don't know. I don't know if there's a political reason why it was made in France, but there we go. And this looks like a possibly quirky, interesting foreign indie comedy while also being possibly poignant. And I'm not that up on world news. If Philip DeFranco doesn't talk about it, I, I really don't know much about world world news right now. So I don't know what's going on in Israel. All I know is that there have been a few movies recently about people leaving Israel. There's that movie a little while ago about that guy who wants to leave Israel for Germany. And his parents are like, why the f*** would you want to go to Germany? They f***ing killed us in World War II. And the kid's like, well, that was then. It's kind of a different place now. And especially the wording for the the synopsis where it says a young Israeli man absconds to Paris to flee his nationality. I don't know. This movie could be possibly touchy for a lot of people. But with my very, very limited, albeit no knowledge of the cur current political climate over there, I can just recommend this movie as a possibly poignant and funny foreign comedy. Synonyms gets a 6 out of 11. All right, well, next up, we have a documentary called Shime, a Chinese peasant woman's fight for fellow AIDS patients who contracted AIDS during the 1990s when China encouraged millions of poor farmers to donate blood for money under catastrophic health conditions. This is a documentary from Switzerland about China. So if this is true, if this movie is based on, or the documentary that is, is based on facts, which just the small amount of research I did do shows that, yes, it's true. But of course, that doesn't mean it's 100% accurate. But that's a risk we take with any documentary that's not like a music documentary or a nature documentary. Well, hell, even with those, it could not be accurate. So that's why it's important to not just believe what any of these say, but this looks like it's well done. It looks like it's a like heart-wrenching story. Because one article from The Guardian says there could be at least 500,000 cases of HIV in the Henan province. And it's supposedly a lot of these farmers, these poor farmers who were given a month or a year's wages, I forgot, which at the time equaled about five US dollars. But they were given what was a lot of money for them. But then guess what? They got AIDS because of terrible health conditions and now china's like yeah nah we're not going to care for you and so it's about this woman shime who is trying to fight for some sort of care she's like hey give us medication don't treat us like monsters so this is a problem that i never knew about i never knew there was such an aids epidemic in china so this may be worth watching and as always don't auto believe everything you hear but at the same time it, it doesn't mean this is wrong so only time will tell. We will see. But right now, Shime gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have another documentary. The second one in the wide releases in Interesting Indies. And this is called Making Waves, The Art of Cinematic Sound. This is an exploration of the history, artistry, and emotional power of cinema sound as revealed by legendary sound designers and visionary directors via interviews clipped from movies and a look at their actual process of creation and discovery. So as documentaries go, this one's far less controversial than the other one. It's also far happier, because yay, this is about movies, something we all love on this show, right? And it's about 
how the wonderful sound effects are made and musical scores and all the good audio wonderfulness of cinema. So if you are interested enough in the sound of sound of music and the sound of movies, you should check this out. It lo- it looks like it's well done and it looks like it does a hit on the on the sounds from famous movies too, which is good because sometimes we get documentaries about interesting topics and they don't actually interview anyone that just done that's worked on really big stuff, but they do cover Star Wars. They do cover the big films that are known for their sound. So watch this in theaters? No, probably not. Watch this one day at home? Sure. Making Waves, The Art of Cinematic Sound gets a 6 out of 11. And finally, before our next break, we have a movie called The Gallows, Act 2. When Anna Rue transfers to a prestigious new acting school, she encounters a malevolent spirit after participating in a viral challenge. This stars no one, because it's a f***ing D-list horror movie, but you know what? It doesn't look that bad, and this is the last weekend before Halloween, so you know what? If you're ever going to watch a D-list horror movie in theaters, this is the season to do it right now, and I don't think it matters if you've seen Act 1. I really don't think it does, because I watched a trailer for Part 1, I watched the trailer, of course, for Act 2, and I, I wasn't confused. I think it's only loosely tied to each other, unlike the mo- movies like Conjuring and Insidious and um, a Saw, things like that, where they are tied and it is important which order you watch it in. This one, I don't think so. There is one better looking horror movie coming out this week, but I mean, this one doesn't look terrible. The Gallows Act 2 gets a 5 out of 11. All right, folks, it is time for our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. So please stay tuned and we'll be right back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we're back. We're back with a film called Frankie. Three generations grappling with life-changing experience during one day of vacation in Sintra, Portugal, a historic town known for its dense gardens and fairy tale villas and palaces. This stars Isabel Hubert from Louder Than Bombs, Brendan Gleeson from In Bruges, Marissa Tomei from My Cousin Vinny, Greg Kinnear from Little Miss Sunshine, Senia Nauna from The Girl with All the Gifts, Ariane Bakare from Life, Vinette Robinson from Sherlock, and Jeremy, I think it's pronounced Renier from In Bruges. All right, that was a piss poor synopsis, right? You may have re- you may remember me talking about this movie before. This, from what I gathered from the trailers about this family coming together for a vacation, and what I think is happening is that Isabel Hubert's character is dying. Her family is spread apart. They don't talk. They don't really get along. And she kind of wants 
one final vacation, one final good family vacation. And can this happen? Can this torn apart family come together one last time? So it's a it's a very familiar plot, and I think it's done with a, a good cast, and it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it's too too done before, you know? We have seen movies like this, but it feels like it's trying to be different. It feels like it's trying to be its own thing. And being an American audience, well, most of us, and it, well, basically, unless you're in France, maybe you have not come across Isabel Hooper before, who I'm probably saying her name wrong. I am sorry. If anyone out there knows how to par- properly pronounce it, please let me know. But she is fantastic. She is a, a national treasure from France. And... I think that we should see her more in America. And no, not necessarily that she should do more American films, that maybe we should just get more of her films over here, because she is amazing. The cast backing her up is really good, too. Brendan Gleeson, great. Greg Kinnear, great. Marissa Tomei, come on, my cousin Vinny, you don't need a better example of why Marissa Tomei is a great actress that is it that is that is the example right there you should watch her in this i think this looks like a good film but the issue is going to be how devastating is it because if you're anything like me the kind of mood you're in really dictates your movie and while that does sound obvious well duh you know what kind of movie you're in the mood for it does kind of suck when you can't when you just don't get a feeling for a movie if it's going to be depressing and devastating or if it's going to be uplifting and happy so that really could put a damper on when you want to watch it. I think this film is worth a watch some time. Do you want to watch this in theaters? No, I think there are better movies coming out. But I think this is well worth a watch. Frankie gets an 8 out of 11. Alright, next up... Oh, I actually have two more horror movies. Next up is a movie called The Kill Team. Okay, this one's not a horror. I just saw it further down the list. There's another one. But The Kill Team... A young American soldier in Afghanistan is disturbed by his commanding officer's behavior and is faced with a moral dilemma. This stars Alexander Skarsgård from The Legend of Tarzan, Nat Wolf from Paper Towns, Jonathan Witzel from Riverdale, Brian Mark from Luke Cage, O.C. Ikhili from The Legend of Tarzan, Rob Morrow from Numbers, and Anna Francolini from Rome. I like military movies. I do, but... Something about this trailer just just doesn't grab me at all. And I would think it would be up my alley. Alexander Skarsgård, I first learned of him from HBO's Generation Kill, which I thought was fantastic. That was about the first Iraq war, I believe. And it followed a, a group, a squadron, a, a collection of Marines as they were sent in. And it covered the stuff they did, good and bad. Maybe it didn't focus as much on the bad as other movies do, but I I thought it was a really good representation. But this movie looks like it's really honing in on the negative. It looks like this is really just about this commanding officer going crazy and doing immoral shit. And one of the soldiers under him has this dilemma. Like, should I report him? Does that make me a bad soldier? Does this make me a bad person? Or does it make me a bad person if I don't say anything? If you saw Apocalypse Now, then the idea of a commanding officer going a little bad crazy is no stretch for you. Jarhead, the Hurt Locker, maybe not as crazy as Apocalypse Now, but also hinted at the darker side of what it's like out there. 
But what I really want to know before I go into this movie is, is there an agenda? Does this movie have an agenda and will it taint the story? Because when we have military or political movies that have too much of an agenda, it can taint it. It can make it feel disingenuous. It can make it feel contrived. And I get that feeling from this. Maybe it was just a bad trailer. I don't know. And personally, I come from this weird place where I, I come from a military family. A lot of my family has been in the military. As for me, I like pizza a little too much. So I was like, no, no, I'll continue eating. And um, I will I will help in other ways with my vote and my supporting the troops and all that stuff. So I've, I've always grown up with a healthy respect for the military. But being an outsider, I can also be a little more critical than some from within can be. And I think this movie is going to land somewhere right in the middle where it could potentially go one of two ways. It could be, like I said, a bad trailer for it, and it's just an honest story without any sort of agenda behind it. Or it could fall on the other side and come across as disingenuine. Which one is it? We don't know. The Kill Team gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, next up we have a movie called Countdown. When a nurse downloads an app that claims to predict the moment a person will die, it tells her she only has three days to live. With the clock ticking and a figure haunting her, she must find a way to save her life before time runs out. This stars Elizabeth Lale from Once Upon a Time, Anne Winters from 13 Reasons Why, and Charlie McDermott from Sex Drive. Anne was actually the one that brought up to me that this plot kind of is reminiscent of Unfriended. And another one she brought up, friend request. So this is this kind of technology is working against us sort of thing. And demons or ghosts now know how to use technology. They could tweet too. Hashtag YOLO or technically hashtag YOLT. You only live twice. So while this isn't a fully original idea, at least they went a slightly different route with it. Oh, one missed call. That's another one it kind of reminds me of. And I think this movie will be kind of one of those dumb ones where you don't hate it. You don't love it, but you're like, oh, okay, I'd watch that again around Halloween in the spooky season. There's a scene in the trailer where they're trying to figure out what's going on. By this point in the, in the movie, they know that once a countdown ends, something kills you. And this guy, who I think is the, the token nerd in the group, says, oh, we just have to survive one second past the countdown to survive. Of course, he probably has no idea what he's talking about and that that too reminds me of one missed call where they they get this idea that oh this is how we beat it this is how we win with no proof whatsoever with no no even hinting that they could be right and then so it could end at that point one of two ways where they do the thing they have to do and yay they live they all live happily ever after until the sequel comes out and they all die or they do it they think they live and the last scene of the movie is them getting killed oh no it's still going on bum 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 so i expect this to be a totally formulaic movie but guess what this is the time for that shit this is the time for formulaic horrors if you ever want to watch it because yes you my future friend probably does some sort of of movie night around halloween if not a month-long marathon and you should also try to introduce at least half of them or you know okay let's be a little more realistic at least a quarter of them new does that mean you'll be watching a lot of shit yeah so drink and get drunk when you do it or you know just eat a lot of candy and popcorn whatever your drug is do that and just have fun 
it's always okay to like bad movies. It's always okay to have fun watching shitty films. But now is the time where it's especially okay to watch shitty whores. Will this be one of them? Only time will tell, because maybe wait till next year, but you should probably put this on your list. Countdown. It's a nine, eight, seven, six out of 11. All right, folks, next up is the final horror movie of the week, and this film is called Rattlesnake. When a single mother accepts help from a mysterious woman after her daughter is bitten by a rattlesnake, she finds herself making an unthinkable deal with the devil to repay the stranger. This stars Carmen Jogo from Selma, Theo Rossi from Luke Cage, and Emma Greenwell from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And this one interests me a little more. If I had to pick one of the horror movies coming out this week to watch right now, it would be this one, because it's an interesting idea. So we have this mother, and she's traveling through the desert. Her and her daughter are going somewhere. We don't know where. Does it matter? Probably not. All we know is her car breaks down in the middle of nowhere, and she gets out to try and, and, and fix the tire. If it's a flat tire, try to fix the engine or something while help comes. Her daughter goes and wanders around a little bit, and why not? It's all flat ground. She can keep an eye on her. But guess what? There's a fucking rattlesnake. It bites the shit out of her. And she's a tiny. She's a little girl. There's less room. There's less veins and blood and shit for all this venom to take effect. So she has to get her daughter help really fast. And she's running around looking for something. But guess what? She's in the middle of fucking nowhere. She's been looking around since they broke down and nothing. But what's this? Suddenly a trailer out of nowhere. A trailer suddenly appeared where there was no trailer before. Well, why the f*** not? Her daughter might die anyway, so why not go into Satan's trailer? She goes in there. This woman helps her. It's all okay. Or is it until people start showing up saying, hey, here's the thing. We saved your daughter's life. We can also take your daughter's life. Give us another soul if you want to keep her alive. So this, in this sense, it kind of has a vibe from Thinner, if you remember that. If you remember the price he had to pay. Though if you ask me, he should never have been cursed in the first place. That bitch ran in front of his car. He had, you know, he couldn't have stopped, even if he wasn't getting a blowjob at the time. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about Rattlesnake. So it, it's this choice that the mother has, just like the main character in Thinner had, where I, I have to save, I have to save my daughter. Though in Thinner it was his own life, but... Stay with me. I have to save my daughter. Can I kill an innocent person? So here's a question for you. If you had a child and your child's, was, your child's life was on the line, would you kill someone? Me? Probably. If it was some, if it was some shit like this where I knew some freaky shit was going down and I'd probably, I'd try and find someone who would at least deserve it. You know? So my theory with this is, is that she's not going to be able to find anyone and she ends up killing herself. Saving her daughter, but giving her, giving her soul to the devil. If you see a horror movie in theaters this week, I think this should be it. I think it's the best looking one. And if you don't see it in theaters this week, watch it some other time. Rattlesnake gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have a film called Black and Blue. A rookie police officer in New Orleans has to balance her identity as a black woman with her role as a police officer when she witnesses other police officers committing murder. This stars Naomi Harris from Skyfall, Tyrese Gibson from Fast and Furious, Mike Coulter from Luke Cage, Frank Grillo from The Purge Anarchy, Reed Scott from Veep, and Nafisa Williams from Black Lightning. 
So this movie gives me end of watch kind of feel where I think the whole thing is going to be very intense. We're going to have this cop who's on the run and has nowhere to go. In end of watch, it's more because there are two cops being chased by a gang in a heavy gang area and also in an area where people don't trust the cops. And in black and blue, we have that same thing going on of her being on the run in an area where people don't trust cops. And not only that, but she's a woman of color. So in the area she's lost in, or maybe not lost in, but she's stuck in, she's kind of looked like, looked at as a traitor. So if you want to see what looks like it's going to be a very heavy police procedural drama, this is it. What I think this movie has going for it is that it's not black and white. It's going to show the two sides of the cops. It's going to have this woman, this main character, who's an example of a good cop, being chased by these examples of bad cops. And we're going to see that cops in general aren't trusted, even though there's a, there are good cops out there. So I think it's a very topical, very understandable movie. So I do look forward to watching this one day. There just happens to be a, well, two better move, better looking movies coming out this week. Black and Blue gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, next up we have the Netflix release of a movie from a previous week, and that movie is called Dolomite Is My Name. Rudy Ray Moore is a comedy and rap pioneer who proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene, kung fu fighting alter ego Dolomite became a black exploitation phenomenon. This stars Eddie Murphy from Coming to America. Wesley Snipes from New Jack City, Keegan-Michael Key from Keanu, Craig Robinson from This Is The End, rapper and best friend of Martha Stewart, Snoop Dogg, Chris Rock from Lethal Weapon 4, Titus Burgess from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, rapper T.I. from Ant-Man, Mike Epps from Resident Evil Apocalypse, and Cody Smith-McPhee from X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, I didn't even realize two movies with Apocalypse in it. So I was really looking forward to this movie. I am still really stoked for it. And now I no longer have to try and see it in theaters because A, it's not in theaters anymore. And B, it's now on Netflix where anyone can watch it because you all already have a Netflix subscription or you still have your friend's password. Whichever, you can see this movie. And I think it's, I'm going to be honest. I, while I do want to see Dolomite, I haven't seen it yet. I do want to see it. I would never have asked for and never thought I would want to see a movie about its making. That doesn't sound interesting to me at all. But for some reason, they were able to put it together. They got this amazing cast for it, and it looks so good. And add on top of that that this stars Eddie Murphy, an actor who hasn't been relevant from since the early 2000s, looking amazing in this. This movie looks funny. It looks like it's well done all around. And I don't think there's any reason that anyone shouldn't watch this. I don't think you you need to see Dolomite to appreciate Dolomite is my name. Because it, it it's not really about the movie as it is about the guy. As it is about Rudy Ray Moore, a.k.a. Dolomite himself. And it's about him and the insane way this movie was made and how it should not have worked. It should not have been as popular as it was because of how ridiculous it was. But I think that served just to make it just to make it a classic. If you didn't see Dolomite is my name in theaters, well, now's the time. Dolomite is my name gets a nine out of 11. And next up is the pick of the week, which is the current war. 
The dramatic story of the cutthroat race between electricity titans Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse to determine whose electrical system would power the modern world. This stars Baby Talk Coochie Coo from Sherlock, Nicholas Holt from Mad Max Fury Road, Michael Shannon from The Shape of Water, Tom Holland from Spider-Man Homecoming, Tuppence Middleton from Sense8, Matthew McFadden from Death at a Funeral, and Catherine Watterson from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It was really tough. It was really tough to pick between Dolomite Is My Name and The Current War. They both had limited releases before this week. This was a week they were going to go to a wider wider audience. Dolomite Is My Name, of course, on Netflix, The Current War getting a wider national release. But I think one of the reasons this won out is because I'm more familiar with this story. And I'm really curious to see if Booberry Captain Crunch will portray Thomas Edison as the basically monster and huge asshole he was. Because we live in the time now where we no longer automatically hold these people from the past on high. It's a well-known fact that Christopher Columbus was a gigantic monster and was single-handedly responsible for the death of countless people. Like, an entire tribe committed suicide so they wouldn't be taken captive by him. So Thomas Edison, of course, not that bad, but still just kind of an asshole who would steal ideas, who would sue people who even came close to his ideas, who tortured elephants to prove his point, which you can still find the video out there that they took of him torturing elephants to show that Nikola Tesla's version of electricity of power was bad. So now we live in a time where it's okay to have our former heroes taken down to the level they deserve. So I wonder if this will be an honest telling of him or if he's just going to be maybe kind of a dick. And you can tell that even in the premise for this movie that was written on IMDb that they're also kind of giving the big f*** you to Nikola Tesla because he wasn't even mentioned in the premise because it was really Thomas Edison versus Nikola Tesla and Nikola Tesla working with Westinghouse's money. So Dolomite is my name and the current war both have stacked casts. They both look like they're really well done and worth a watch. Dolomite Is My Name has the benefit of being on Netflix, something that all of you should already have in one form or another. The Current War has the benefit of being a story we all kind of know, and also has the possibility to tell us more of the truth behind that story, though if it will, that is yet to be seen. I think everyone should watch Dolomite Is My Name. I think everyone should watch that. And it's easy for everyone to watch. If you do go to a theater this week, I think it should be for the current war. So I guess I kind of have dual picks because I am more likely to watch Dolomite Is My Name because I'm more likely to watch a movie on Netflix at home than I am to, you know, get into a car, go and pay to see the current war, even though I want to. The current war looks good, but it doesn't look so good that I have to to go see it. I don't I, I don't get that feeling of, okay, grab my wife. Hey, sweetie, let's go. Let's go watch this. It looks super good. It does look good, but it also looks like I can wait. And Dolomite is my name has the benefit of coming out available in our homes right now. So you know what? I am changing my mind. The current war will be my pick for theaters and my true pick and the movie I think everyone should see, also because it's the easiest to see, is Dolomite Is My Name. Though, the, no, not taking anything away from the current war. I think it looks well done through and through. It has a great cast. It looks like it's well written and it looks like it's well put together. It looks, it just looks like a well put together movie. The current war also gets a nine.
out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for the movies. Let us take our final break as we hear word from our friends at the We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa podcast. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. All right, we are back with the question of the week. But before we do so, we have some stuff to talk about. I have missed some answers in the past from Brian Q. He let me know about that. And I think I found them all. So he said that the best movie he's seen over the past few years was Into the Spider-Verse. So good choice on that. I really like that one. And it's weird that I missed it because I read it. I even replied to it. And then when it came time to record the episode, I just completely shit the bat on that one. As for the worst movie he saw over the past few years, he said the worst movie I saw was Aquaman, but I made it 30 minutes in before I turned it off. The movie that I watched from beginning to end that I really didn't care for, although Emily liked it, was Isle of Dogs. Just didn't like it. It felt like I could have spent my entire time doing something better. Uh, He also answered the question that what movie from the past few years have you missed and still want to watch it? He said The Revenant, and that is a really good film. But just bring a blanket when you watch it. Well, of course, you'll be watching at home, so I hope you would already have a blanket. But it it just makes you cold. The movie makes me feel so cold. Just like the movie The Way Back from 2010 with uh, Jim Sturgis, Ed Harris, and Colin Farrell made me super thirsty. Then about the question about which movie from the past few years you have no interest in seeing, he said, Everyone made a lot of noise about The Room, and even though I love bad movies, I don't care about that one. I find that when everyone is into something, I usually don't get it. And I assume you're talking about Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Okay, I think that's the only The Room, because the, the one with Ray Larson was Room, I think. And you know, I looked to make sure that you didn't answer last week's question, and so if you did do it somewhere, I'm sorry I looked and I didn't see it. Before we get into the question question answers from me and from Anne, we got a comment from Anthony R. on the last episode. He said, I heard your ad on the Watch Your Mouth podcast. I've started going to the movies a lot more since I started listening. My wife thanks you, but my wallet curses you, and you are so welcome. And I know the pain, too. I love going to movies. My wife loves going to movies. $20 at the very minimum each time. No, not even, because we do get snacks. We love our movie snacks. I need to get a drink there. So, you know what? It is a financial commitment to go see a movie. So I'm simultaneously sorry and not sorry, but not in that snarky millennial hashtag sorry not sorry way about it. So about the question for from last episode that you were to answer this week, it was which movie villain would you like to see get their own movie? Anne's answer is... The Secret Society from Cabin in the Woods, she would like to see how it all started, and I would really like to see that. I would like to see more from the Cabin in the Woods world, and we don't need a sequel. The first one could be the ending of everything, and they can just put out a couple more movies, have it be, have it take place before. I'd be really down to see that, just to see how it all started. And for my answer, I, I was trying to think, I was like, ooh, do I want to see a movie about, uh, about Gozer or Vigo from from uh, from Ghostbusters. Do I want to see a movie about Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? But the one I would actually really like to see would be a prequel, a prequel to Night at the Museum to see what what the old men who work there. If you remember the first night in the museum, without giving any spoilers, because Anne's in the room, she hasn't seen it. If you remember when Ben Stiller 
started working there, the torch was passed to him from three old men who worked there before him. So I would like to see their experience with it. And you know what? Since Robin Williams is no longer with us and so they don't, they don't have to CG him, what they could just do is have it take place before the Teddy Roosevelt exhibit opened up. And they could even end it with a, oh, like we're, we're here with that Teddy Roosevelt exhibit and they just like roll something in and you just see the, the back of the Roosevelt wax figure. I, I think that'd be really cool. And something funny I noticed on Twitter, I had shared a story about uh, Francis Ford Coppola. I'd shared it about Francis Ford Coppola talking shit about Marvel. And I just made the comment. I said, oh, and yet another old man yelling at clouds, which of course is a Simpsons reference. And I didn't see someone responded. Some random ass person responded saying Marvel has never made a Goodfellas or a Godfather. And I'm kind of glad I didn't see it at the time because I would have responded and it just would have it would have started where there didn't need to be shit. Because this woman didn't make a point. Like, okay, who else has made a Goodfellas and Godfather? Not a lot of people have. So are you saying then that everyone who, unless you've made a Goodfellas or Godfather level movie, if you haven't, then you haven't made cinema? While I am tempted to reply, it's only been four days. I I have to, I have to stop myself. Just let it go because an idiot like that, you're not going to be able to reason with them. She's probably just some stupid hipster who loves everything indie and hates anything mainstream. So let's talk about my question for next week. And I think I've done this one before or some version of it, but just bear with me. And if I have asked it before and you remember answering it, you know what? Just answer it again. Let's have some fun. So the next episode will come out on Thanksgiving. Not Thanksgiving. (laughs) The next episode will come out on Halloween because I won't be late next week like it was this week. So I've talked a lot the past few weeks about movie marathons for Halloween. Give me your top five movies for Halloween that really get you in the spirit. And you will answer truthfully. It doesn't have to be all all horror movies. If for some reason watching Star Wars Return of the Jedi gets in the ho- in the in the Halloween mood, say it. Whatever movies get you in the Halloween mood, I want to know. I want to know your top five. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to end the show. Let us wrap this all up with the closing housekeeping. I'll send you along your way to the other great shows in the network. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>